Matthew, Matthew, come in. Come in, Matthew. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear uh, me? Oh, my God. I can hear you. You're in Tasmania. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I just re-downloaded Zoom yesterday because I haven't used it in about three years. <laughs> it's a relic yeah. of COVID, but it's good for such situations as this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we are. All right. Should we get going? Well. Yeah. Sure. All right. Sick, sick, sick. All right. Hello and welcome to Speaking From Water, episode 21. I have an absolute legend on the line, Matthew Tildesley. He is coming from Tasmania and it is one in the morning. And again, Speaking From Water is a podcast that delivers to you the most legendary water experts in the world. And Matthew is just that. He is an absolute genius when it comes to capturing the ocean at just magical times. And I've been um, a fan of his work for a long time. Um, and I'm honored to have you, Matthew. Thank you for joining us at such an early um, morning hour in Tasmania. Thanks. Um, yeah, absolute legend. That's a that's an intro I've never had. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's the truth, man. Um, before we get into like your background, your history, and and everything. Um, well, first, how is Tasmania today? Um, it's quite cold, actually. We've just had a um, quite the long fetch of a low pressure system push up, um, and with that's come a decent sized south swell. So all the point breaks are were on yesterday, and yeah, there's a bit of leftover swell today, and with that comes cold weather. Where on the island are you? I'm based on the east coast um, in a town called Bishano. Um, yeah, quite a few little reef breaks here, beaches, fun area, beautiful beaches. Yeah, usually have, nice weather. Have <laughs> you been Have you been here your whole life or there, I should say? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did grow up here. Um, yeah, moved around a bit throughout the years and yeah, settled down now, got two kids. Um, got a house here and yeah really nice community congratulations on the on the children um yeah. so, so he, let's let's dive right into this i um i've been studying your work it's like you're like a mad scientist when it comes to the construction of the the gear that enables you to to capture the waves as as you have uh, tell us a little bit about um, how how that came about. All right. Um, so, yeah, I've always, this is going back maybe eight years or so, yeah, I'd always wanted to get into flash photography more with a surf. And it was, it was always quite a bit of money to spend on flash gear, so I didn't dive in straight away. Um, now I did end up biting the bullet, getting a Aquatech um, housing for a, a speed light. And yeah, I think I played with that for a couple of years and it was always slow between sessions because the, it's always hard to line up good conditions on sunset or sunrise when yeah, the waves would be good for, to get people to surf as well um, is another, another thing. So it played with that speed light and then it got me thinking, oh, how far can I take this? And I really wanted more power. 
so I ended up selling all of my gear um, and starting starting again. So I ended up spending like 15 grand on a whole new camera, housing. Um, and part of that was I was going to build a water housing for a, a studio strobe, which, yeah, had quite a lot more power than what I was using. Um, and my initial plan was to swim with all this, um, these housings that I'd built for this strobe. It's up, up on the shelf. I could get it in a moment. Um, but during the, the build process, I found out that, oh, I can actually use this as wirelessly triggered strobe um, and get someone to swim with it. So take the weight off my back and then in that trial and error period I figured out if you swim over there on the other side of the wave I can backlight these waves um there were yeah lots of troubleshooting went into it um plenty of misfires even some sessions we'd go out and the whole setup would just fail because there was connection issues um but yeah just tinkered away I think I started in a in a little carport there was I put like plastic sheets up to stop the wind blowing in. I was just, yeah, fiberglassing, making water housings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since then I've refined my technique. Um, still ironing out problems with the process. Like the wireless um, transmission always gets blocked by um, the water. If one of us, either my strobe assistant or myself, if we're just under the water a little bit too, too much or the waves too thick, um, it does block the transmission. Yeah. Interesting. So you have to play with that gap of airspace between the, the water yeah. breaking. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's funny that how radio waves like bounce around. Um, yeah, it's 2.4 gigahertz, the transmission. Same as your Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. Incredible. And these waves... Well, let me first describe it for the audience, what it is, if you haven't seen his his work. Incredibly crystal clear blue waves at night, probably the middle of the night, it's pitch black. These guys are swimming out in, into just rugged surf with, with this gear, and the outcome is crystal blue backlit waves on, on black background. And um, I'm doing a horrible job explaining it, but it's outstanding work. It's shocking, and it, it captures the eye of anyone who, who beholds the, the, this work. So um, congratulations, namely because I, I, I believe you're the only one who's invented this that, that I know and is doing so. So um, big ups to you. Um, now, I, I, I'm interested to know, let's rewind this clock a little bit. Where... When did you first start getting into photography and did did surfing come first? Um, yeah, I was always, so bodyboarding took up a lot of years um, when I was younger. From, yeah, from about 13, I was obsessed with bodyboarding. Um, and yeah, over those few years of growing up, um, yeah, borrow my parents' camera, take some some photos before and after surfs and then it wasn't until I think I was about 17 or 18 um had quite a bad knee injury and during that recovery bought a camera and 
yeah, just taking photos of my mate surfing. Wasn't able to get in there myself. It was, I think I was out for six months with my knee injury. Um, so then, yeah, that sparked quite a bit of interest in photography. And from then, yeah, saved up, got a water housing, an Aquatech water housing. Um, and yeah, just started swimming with a wide lens at the reef breaks and ended up getting down to ship stands as well. And that, yeah, that was the obsession for a lot of years, just yeah, chasing, chasing water shots really. I just loved shooting with a wide lens and getting in amongst the action. And as a bodyboarder, you're you're more on on slabs than say the the surfers, especially in this region. Uh, I I presume yeah. is that right? And yeah. does that yeah. does, does that hit, yeah? I was going to say the connection between the um the water photographer that's in a slabby area and your history of bodyboarding they they um, seem like they would compute well together. Yeah, absolutely. Um... If you do look at the whole surf industries, like with photographers as a whole, a lot of the top photographers are from a bodyboard background. It's just it's second nature wearing flippers and being amongst these heavy waves. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm a bit of a uh, nowadays. I've tried to do everything, so <laughs> I've got like see all the boards behind me. But there's a couple of sup boards there. There's yeah, plenty of surfboards and bodyboards down there bottom there and even a hand plane in there somewhere um yeah so are as you've evolved in in your um capturing uh your artistic career are you um at all shooting during the day or is is your main focus right now uh night shots right now yeah i don't shoot in the day um yeah it's mainly the night shots which it, the last session I had might have been two months ago, and before that it was over a year of shooting photos. <laughs> so it's mainly because I was just too busy with um, other commitments, um, work and family and um, whatnot. And uh, yeah, I was traveling quite a bit last year for work. Um, but with my evolution of photography, um, yeah, back in those bodyboard days, we just, we'd just chase surf all the time because we had no commitments. We'd, yeah, drive around the state, always on the hunt for waves. And then um, I was I was tr looking back on now, I was trying to mimic other photographers and trying to figure out, oh, what do I need to do to, to become like a surf photographer? And yeah, I was just chasing an elusive carrot, really as the, yeah, the industry was declining. Um, but then, yeah, I started to figure out, oh, I'm not really doing this for myself. So then I start, I just stopped shooting people surfing waves and just started shooting empties, empty waves in nice light. This is before flash had come in for me. Um, so yeah, I just shoot the golden light, sunrise and sunset, experimenting with different exposure times like speed blurs and and even yeah super high frame rate images and then yeah started experimenting with the flash and just dove right in I was like all right I can't be bothered doing that anymore this is this is a new thing 
that I want to try and achieve. And yeah, when I did set out to shoot these backlit wave photos, I did want to isolate the wave in, yeah, just by itself. So completely black background as you described before. And yeah, the way that the wave like, um, glows when the strobe light goes through, it's pretty amazing. It is, yeah, it's super sharp. As the producer of this work and the work that you've previously um, produced, give us this this feeling you get when you when you go home and you start processing your images and how that evolution um, drives you forward. Um, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself with critiquing the images, so I'll look through them. I won't look at oh, that's a, that wave's pretty awesome. I'm looking at the fine details of, because I can have, it's, it can be quite hard to focus when it's so dark. And yeah, a lot of the time, my depth of field is just a little bit too far away from me. So um, yeah, I'm just looking at it to make sure it's in focus. Yeah, um, throughout a session, say I'd shoot 300 photos, I, I could get five or 10 that I like. Um, and I consider consider keepers. Um, sorry, I got a bit, bit lost on your question there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking for a general um, emotion that comes from within that that drives you forward. Um, yeah, always to improve. Like when we're actually in the water, it's super exciting. Like, and it's quite an emotional roller roller coaster. Really, if things aren't working out, if I have technical issues, it's it's such a headache and trying not to get angry <laughs> at the situation. But then when it, when it does click and things synchronize and it's, oh, I'm just hooting and carrying on and yelling to my friend over the other side of the wave. Like, yeah, that was, that was epic, but let's do Let's try and do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's exciting when we're out there and then, yeah, coming back to review images, it's yeah, just, soak it all in and always try and figure out aspects to improve the images. Yeah, I've still got so many ideas I want to try and execute. It's just a matter of getting the swells and yeah, getting someone to help me. That's a hard part. <laughs> and I can imagine, um, tell us a little bit, a little bit about the uh, conditions that are ideal for you to, to go out and then the process of making sure everything's safe, making sure that, you're um, in a in a place that's not gonna um, destroy you. What what are kind of your your variables that you're working with? Um, so I actually take my boat out to this bommy, um, anchor it just near the reef. Um, actually got the anchor snagged last time we went out there. It's just a bit too close to the reef. Um, so it's I know the weather really well around here. Just spent. Obsessed about looking at the weather forecast as well. I love watching systems form. So I won't go out in anything too dangerous as I've got the boat to look after as well. We anchor it, then swim out um, to the reef. And we have had a few heavy sessions out there where it's, um, yeah, my strobe assistant, Sam, he got he got sucked over in, on one of the waves because the, the strobe housing is quite large. I'll go grab it.
Yeah, so this is the strobe housing. Wow. Um, and holding this is, is quite buoyant. Yeah, it does float. It's like a, it's like a life raft in itself. Custom made. Um, yeah, custom made. It's, it's really ugly, but it serves the purpose. Yeah. Definitely, Beautiful. Um, it's definitely been through a few pressure tests. And I'm in the process of making three more for different different ideas and actually got my my kids to paint paint on them <laughs> I, I saw that yeah. on your instagram that's beautiful yeah yeah so you're you're going out to a spot that you you know very well at night on on your boat and it's it's you and your buddy that that's that's it right yeah that's it pretty much just us two mainly if i can find other people they're more than welcome to come along as well yeah and and how big are the waves that you're ideally looking for? Um, like, I suppose there's going to be a bit of a crossover with people's perspective on how to measure waves, but um, say three to four foot. Um, I think our measurements cross over to like the Hawaiian size, so right. if you're standing it'll be about head high. Yeah, you you can stand in the waves if you're riding a surfboard. Yeah, that's my ideal size. Yeah. With uh with a, a nice offshore wind. Yeah, absolutely. Um I've had some mornings where it's been yeah, quite strong offshore and it just takes the spray and if the, the strobe light hits the spray, just massive rooster tail. It looks beautiful. And then most of the time I am trying to direct the light underwater and then that just disperses through the lip and we don't quite get the um the spray but if i can yeah, get the lens like above and below water kind of like the water level like that and then some light will bounce up and some the most of the light will disperse through the water um yeah kind of like a flounder light if anyone's been fishing at night like with a, a flounder light yeah that's that's basically the, how it works can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration where this came from, particularly what what was the aha moment in your mind where you're like, okay, that this is this is what needs to happen now. Um, the aha moment was probably when I was building this water housing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can do so much more now because I was I was still trying to mimic what other people had done before with front lit flash on camera. Yeah, on camera flash. So, um, yeah, I was going to mount this large strobe head on top of my Aquatec water housing, and and swim with a power pack on my back. Um, but it was more of a slow evolution of trying to nut things out and just what's possible and um, a bit of yeah, what hasn't been done because yeah, a lot of photographers do dabble in flash photography but they haven't taken it to the extremes um and yeah throughout the process bill gallagher helped me out quite a lot um and yeah he's he hooked me up with some waterproof buttons from aquatech as well which is great i'm so thankful for those they i wouldn't have been able to build the water housing without them um so yeah slow evolution for for how it's all come along it's, yeah, it's been quite a few years working on it. 
you have a, a, a large collection and there is the the part of the process uh, as the artist um what you do then with with your pictures um can you tell us a little bit about your um your journey through through art through media uh what you've liked what you don't like maybe your lay of the land in that regard um out of the water yeah um yeah so one of my main goals for um my photography is to produce high quality prints um i'm terrible on social media <laughs> i just i don't have any tactic for social media i'd love to be better but um yeah just throw a few images up every now and again um definitely working on trying to get better at that but yeah my main goal is to produce high quality prints and when i've printed some of these images up um really large but meter and a half wide's the largest i've gone and yeah they look they look insane um see all these tiny water droplets that you'd never see in daylight as well um yeah did that answer your question uh yes it did and um a, a little bit more on like maybe does being in tasmania do you feel hold you back from i guess getting it out there or do you feel like you can get it out there physically i mean not really so much digitally with your large prints um to to the to the world or how do you how do you see like the the next step in, in your business um well it's it's not my business really it's it's more of a hobby but right now i'm working full time in construction um but yeah I wonder if yeah being in Tassie does or ha not having connections yet is holding it back from from being viewed from for more people um but yeah again coming back to my lack of expertise in social media that's probably holding back a lot of people seeing my work um yeah my my partner Hannah she's she always pushes me oh you need to need to do this and that and yeah, she's partly my um, my secretary in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I, um, I hope this podcast helps um, get 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 yeah. it out there because I, it is some of the most again outstanding work that I've ever seen, and we're we're definitely going to put the link to your website. I've been all of your website. Uh, you have a calendar for sale. You have prints for sale. So anyone who sees this, please hit Matthew up, yeah. and um, he'll he'll get them to you. Um, I just have a few more questions. Again, guys, this is the middle of the night. He's joining us. Um, very, very uh, gracious of of Matthew to to be coming to uh, to the show right now. Um, I, I want to know a little bit more about your family. Um, how has um, uh, your your how did your parents like get you to become the water person you are? Um, so I think it began when I was still in my mum's tummy. So I was born in April and the peak heat in Australia is like January, February. So yeah, she would have been really heavily pregnant when I was in her tummy. So she said, tells this story of like, oh, we're down the beach and she would just like dig out a hole in the sand so she could rest her belly and cool down in the water. Um, so. She, yeah, she likes to tell the story of like that's where my connection to the ocean began. Um, yeah, listening to the water on her belly. Um, 
and through primary school I didn't really like going to school that much and I did I yeah on the way to school I'd sometimes I just wouldn't go to school I'd just walk off and go down to the beach and I think that was my early attempts of being creative so like, I want to go do my own thing and um yeah it was all, always always the ocean which I'd become drawn to and yeah diving fishing um surfing that's yes yeah, all yeah it's all quite um sorry i got a bit lost there um, yeah yeah you're uh you're sleep deprived but you're you're killing it um I, the question is essentially your upbringing your family and and this is now going to transfer more into your father of two now how do you bring this water life to your kids? Um, we, we go to the beach every day. So I'm not going to push them into anything that they're scared with, which I have done a little bit. Um, I've got my eldest son to kayak from one beach to the other. So it's about um, a kilometre and a half, like almost a mile. And it was quite windy and deep water. And he's like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> the water was too deep, but... Um, but he how how old is he? He's almost five, so he would have been four and a half when we did that paddle. Epic. <laughs> yeah, when we and it was, yeah, it was quite windy, so we had to paddle out around a point, and the wind was blowing him towards the rocks, and he started getting a bit nervous. And it's like, yeah, come on, you've almost made it. A couple more strokes, and then we got around. He just skimmed over the seaweed, and then he was he was off like with the wind, and yeah, I was on a stand up paddle board, and there's. Is how deep is it out here? Ah, oh, quite deep, maybe like fifteen meters deep. <laughs> and um, yeah, he he did so well. I don't think there's any other four and a half years old that have done that paddle. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I'm not going to push the boys into anything though. Um, the youngest, he's yeah, he's a bit more gung ho. <laughs> he falls over all the time and gets hurt. He's trying to keep up, I think. Um, yeah, they'll be they'll be drawn to, it. yeah, whichever water sport they pick, I suppose, and yeah, it's up to them to to decide. And the the um, the culture of Australia is is so much um, water based. I, I I've spent some time there, and I've um, not not in Tasmania, but on, on the on the mainland. And uh, it seems that everyone's into uh, the surf rescue life-saving clubs, the, the kids and, and, and such. Um, how does Tasmania relate kind of to that? Do, do you have stuff like that? Or um, yeah. is it a, a little more um, rugged? Let us know. Yeah, we are quite remote where we live, but we do have a local surf club and they run skippers, oh, not skippers, um, nippers, nippers on, um, through summer. So yeah, certainly training up the, the kids with water safety, um, with rescue drills, um, yeah, your normal yeah, run up and down the beach, swim laps. Yeah. But certainly on mainland Australia, up and down the east coast there's quite more of a, a scene with the surf living life saving scene. Yeah. Did you do that growing up? I no, I didn't because it's actually really quiet. In the town Bishno where I live now, um, when I was a kid, but yeah, now for kids it's unreal. Like <laughs> we've got a skate park going in, which has been 
it's been about 25 years in the making. But we've been asking for a skate park from the council for, for that long and it's finally getting built. So that's that's exciting for the town. Um, and yeah, there's so many more young families around now. Um, yeah, so heaps of kids to play with heaps of kids. <laughs> yeah, it's great when we go down the beach on a nice afternoon, there's just, everyone's there, yeah. So you, you live a very physical life. Do you have any daily uh, regimen you, you do uh, to keep physically fit? Um, right now, it's, my energy is quite consumed by construction. But, um, yeah, surf every week. Um, we find time. We go swim laps at the beach as well. There's a few boats moored out in the bay, which, yeah, we, it's kind of like, 400 meter lap that we do or we can yeah swim a bit of a loop and make it longer um so yeah it's yeah always active um always something to do too many sports and not enough time really <laughs> nice so uh your your waves that you are you're you're shooting are very um local to you do you have uh, an ambition to to go and shoot foreign waves, maybe waves that you haven't visited before? Is that maybe on the, on the next step list or how, how do you think about that? Um, yeah, I'm definitely open to that. And um, I have got some plans for ship stands, which I won't dive into too much because I don't want to jinx myself and let the cat out of the bag. Um, so yeah, I'm still working on my setup to get it a bit more foolproof um but what i have here i've got the access accessibility to a few waves which it just works i, I can yeah, head out with ease um and yeah i've got got the system in place so taking the strobe to yeah other waves around the place around the um certainly there's a few waves in australia which i'd like to take the strobe to um but yeah, for right now yeah mostly focused on here as yeah life's quite quite busy at home are you allowed to tell us what what waves you're thinking um i've always wanted to do a bit of aerial surfing so um not sure if you've seen aussie pipe but it's got a really good air bowl for surfers just to this is in uh, Nara, correct? Um, yeah, Nara, uh, yep. that area. Yeah, I've actually been there. It's an incredible spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to take the strobe there um, and shoot some some guys doing airs, which yeah, which I haven't included riders in my waves yet. That's that's the next step I want to do. Um, and hopefully, hopefully I get it, get it done soon. Um, I'm actually, yeah, coming back to one of your mentions before, I'm I am a bit surprised that no one's tried to copy me yet because when I was starting to build this, I was just like, I need to get this out there, I need to get it, get it done, because um, I was I was paranoid someone was going to copy me and um, beat me beat me to um, release photos like this. Um, but I do get guys asking um, how I've done it, and I let let them know a bit, but not too much because I spent so long figuring it out myself 
Yeah. And, and in the world of art, it's so important for the individual who invents such a thing for it to be known that it, it is you. Because anyone who goes and tries to do what you've done is is commenting on on the greatness that that you here have created. You know, uh, Jackson Pollock did the drips, right? He dripped on the on the on the canvas. A very simple technique, but no one um, there since forth um, that everyone who drips past him is commenting on his work. So that's no longer original. And the fact that you've invented this and it's so original is just incredible, man. So um, the highest respect and regard goes to you. Let it be known to all who view or listen to this podcast throughout time. Uh, this is Matthew's work and um, it's to absolutely be respected. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on, on this podcast is just to lay that down. Because when my eyeballs first saw it, my head exploded. And um, to the extent that you could sell this stuff worldwide, I have no doubt in my mind. So um, highest regard. Yeah, I have actually sent a few prints to Florida. Um, I think I've sent two to Florida, um, a couple to Germany. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, it's weird. People come to me just like every now and again and ask for a print. Um, so yeah, get the print sent over in a tube. And yeah, it's, yeah it feels great to send images around the world um but yeah in in terms of the work being mine and noted like noticeably mine it wasn't until i started shooting this backlit strobe that i didn't feel like i had my own style um that was recognizable and yeah when yeah as this has come come become something now yeah I'm like oh yeah it is recognizable I, I have created something quite unique Without a doubt, and I've I've no um, no doubt in my mind that you're you're gonna just completely blow doors off going forward, um, yeah. So, I uh, I have friends in Nara. If you need if you need people to stay with, um, please let me know and I'll connect you with them. Shouts out to Tim Lane. Shouts out to Hot all lane. the lanes and uh, respect out there. So, uh, before I let you go, it's it's late. I, I um I have one last question for you on this podcast. What what is your um meaning of life? Oh, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, meaning of life. That's that's a deep question. Um, well. Yeah, yeah, you've got me there. <laughs> think I'd love to live a simple life, but then always get dragged towards consuming more or acquiring more things that take up time. Um, what's the meaning? Um, yeah, sorry, I, I don't feel like I can answer that that well. Um, yeah, I'll take that as a perfectly uh, acceptable response and admirable. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Tidsley, uh, thank you again. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you're going to do from here. And um, I hope we can be in touch in the future. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up now, are we?
we can wrap it up unless you have any um any further uh uh wisdom to drop on us um hmm. well i suppose one thing i was thinking of leading up to this um zoom call was like the photography is only one small aspect of my life like i've got so many other hobbies that i get obsessed with like just kind of go around in a circle between so many different hobbies and um pretty excited tomorrow to get a beehive out of a tree so your the computer's actually sitting on a, a beehive so yeah um, hey I, I have time please uh please let me know yeah. and us more about your passions here yeah so right now my obsession is yeah beehives <laughs> um i've got the boat out in the yard which yeah that's another obsession um, well, let, let's uh, yeah. let's back up a little bit. What what is it about the bees that that make you so uh, interested? Um, just how they work together. It's and they've all got a role. There's got your worker bees, your queen, obviously drones. Um, they just make this beautiful hexagon comb, and it's it's just perfect. Um, being amongst the chaos of them flying around like i've pulled a, a few hives out of weird places but yeah when there's all the chaos is happening and they're all angry it's you can find peace in there um because they're trying to attack you and um <laughs> they don't don't want you there but um yeah it, it can be quite peaceful being amongst the hives um i'm only learning as well so that's another thing i like i like learning new things um kind of get obsessed with something that catches my eye I'm like I have to dive in and figure it out yeah how did you um, get into I mean, the bees um there was actually a bush block next door to our property and that sold and I was like oh there's a beehive in the log I need to save them before it gets bulldozed so yeah I've asked my friend to come and help me because he's got lots of bees and yeah we cut this log open with a chainsaw um they were really relaxed bees as well um so pulled it apart i think i've got a um a story highlight on this as well. I, I actually checked that out uh in lead up to this yeah. interview a uh, very very interesting and i did not know until i i observed this um as i'm not a beekeeper that the bees must come from somewhere to your hive is that is that right to the one um, created by the man yeah so there's a there's manip manipulation from from humans to to um dictate where the bees go so yeah what our method was to get the comb out of the log and put it in in the bee box and they'll smell where the brood is and then yeah follow where the brood because they want to look after the brood as much, as best they can um so they yeah they'll walk into the the new hive and that becomes their home and the technique is to yeah leave the the box there until dark and then they all all get inside the box that's their new home and then you can move them and you need to move them more than three kilometers in one go if you move them like five meters away they'll just get lost um they don't know where home is anymore um yeah so i had to move move them to a friend's property and then bring them back home as you've observed these bees how um how, you know a common man with a simple mind 
maybe like me, might look at a bee and be like, oh, that's just an insect. But there's a large network of, of things happening here, obviously. Um, can you comment on your philosophy after observing such natural wonders? Um, they're, they're such hardworking little, little creatures. Um, yeah, I'm impressed with, but they, they can fly up to five kilometers as a round trip to, to get food. Um, and yeah, the way they communicate within the hive, they communicate by vibrations and body movements. I do a figure of eight um, where one bee will walk a figure of eight um, and waggle their body and they'll, that's to um, communicate where the food source is at that time. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I'm, I'm still learning, so basically starting out. <laughs> I hope I don't sound like an expert. No. Um... Uh, you uh you're, you're you're passionate about it which which makes it um extremely interesting is there not to ha pun um into this zoom call here but is there any cross-pollination between the photography process here that you've in, uh, invented and the the bees um no it's just another another hobby which i've i've got on the go and i certainly want to teach my kids like how important bees are and yeah, they um, certainly my oldest. He appreciates them. I asked him the other day, oh, "Do you like bees?" He's like, "Yeah, I love bees <laughs> because I've got a little window on the side of the hive, and we can watch them from there." Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not not out to make heaps of honey or anything. I just yeah want it to be more of an educational hive for the kids. Have you done honey yet? No, not yet. I've well, sad story. I've actually had two hive failures through winter. Um, the last few years, which were hives that I got from, yeah, one was out of the log and one was out of a, a roof of someone's house. Um, yeah, so they haven't made it through winter due to um, me being away so much, I wasn't able to look after them. But yeah, this one tomorrow, I'm pretty excited to do the best I can to look after them. It seemed like quite, a, quite an established hive overflowing this tree. So I'm going to try and um, film as much as I can and yeah, hopefully make a little little edit. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'd, I'm going to try and start shooting mustrobe sessions. Um, yeah, to, to make short videos. Yeah, give more, more of an insight in how the images are captured and the effort that goes into them. I know personally, I would love to be um to observe that and i'm sure many thousands of millions possibly would be interested also so uh, i definitely encourage you to to do do so get that third assistant out there with a video yeah. camera in the water and, and do it yeah. up um what uh what uh other hobbies do you have um i'm just getting into foiling as well that's another obsession so yeah i'd love to do downwind runs on on a stand-up paddle foil but my skill level was nowhere near that yet. So I'm going to start with prone foiling. Um, I did go out um, one day last week and it was only about knee high to waist high waves and it was it was so scary. <laughs> Just with this sharp blade flying around and yeah, some of the wipeouts you do when you're learning, it's, yeah, it's 
it must be funny to watch. Do um, you use yeah. a helmet? Yeah, I've got a got a new gaff helmet, stuff on the shelf there. So, yeah, and a vest. Do you, do you use that when you shoot? Also, I don't. But the other reason for getting that helmet, the gaff helmet, is to put a GoPro on. Yeah. Yeah, there's your third assistant. Like, yeah, I don't like GoPros because the the mine's quite old. <laughs> the yeah. Quality, like how the yeah the slight fish eye. Make, makes things look less impressive yeah agree i agree it's it's something like if it's myself and one other going out i need to at least try and capture something to to show the audience yeah and yeah. you um you, your your construction is is your uh your professional line of work um how, how do you view construction how's sorry how's my view um, yeah, how do you view construction? Do you do you love construction? Do you have a philosophy about construction? Um, I, I'm interested to know more. Um, I've only actually been in construction for about six months, so um, still fairly new to it. Really enjoy it. Um, quite physical. Um, where, yeah, it does wear me down um, come the end of the day. But before that, um, yeah, I was skippering boats tour boats and a bit of commercial fishing deckhanding um and yeah i did a year away on a research vessel as well um but that became too hard with family just going away for a month and a half at a time so yeah had to pull the pin on that and come home i saw and that I'm on your cool. yeah i yeah. saw that on your instagram feed did um yeah. did that give you some um extra knowledge in life that you didn't expect to to have absolutely um yeah it's pretty amazing what these submersible pilots are are doing and um yeah the research which is going to come out in the next five years from from the team it's um yeah well, we don't know much about the deep ocean um and yeah the lead scientist alan jameson he's yeah he's He's like me with maestro photography, like just fully obsessed with the deep ocean. Um, yeah, such a wealth of knowledge. And um, yeah, since I've been back home after leaving that job, the yeah the crew, what I've seen, little snippets of the crew on the ship, they've yeah they've just rebuilt the submersible. Looks absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and. I'm catching up with one of my mates today. We're going to go have a surf, and he's one of the pilots. So, yeah, might find out more for you. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Did Did you have an opportunity to go down? I didn't actually. No, I was um, surface support. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that that you would aspire to do, or are you good on that? Um. Oh, I would have loved to have kept the job. Um. And yeah, work towards being a pilot um with yeah with construction uh, and driving heavy machinery it's i feel really comfortable with that so yeah moving towards driving at a, a deep sea submersible would have been yeah it would have felt pretty pretty awesome yeah um yeah, yeah if, Epic. if anyone wants to yeah check out um on youtube there's plenty of videos of this submersible um so the the vessel was called DSSV Pressure Drop, um, 
if you search that up and you'll, you'll definitely find something on the submersible. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a whole other, it doesn't get covered in mainstream media very much. Um, yeah. What there's yeah, multiple teams around the world with submersibles and, <clears throat> um, yeah, it's amazing that mainstream media just doesn't pick up on these incredible feats that these crews are doing. Um, like world firsts almost every time they dive. Um, but then, yeah, it's, I don't know, the news, I don't, I don't watch the news myself. It's just, it's always negative stuff, isn't it? Right, it is. The, um, the, the, I am familiar with it only through the news with the Titanic submersible that recently yeah. um, had that tragedy tragedy occurred. Do you, um, what, what was your, what's your commentary on that? Um, I won't comment too much on it, but yeah, it was, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't cool what he was trying to do basically. Yeah. Yeah. He was pushing the boundaries a bit too far. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I won't go, I won't comment too much on that. Okay. Got it. Um, before I, I do have to pause before I let you go and and um, talk about our sponsor. Can I do this with you right now? Yeah. Uh, Tamati yeah, Tamati is a is a natural energy drink made here in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it is coming worldwide. It might be coming to you soon, Matthew. And it has only three ingredients, and this is their mat. Um, excuse me, ginger mata version, and it has as much caffeine as coffee. And uh, it, it tastes beautiful. They are, are sponsoring this episode. I was uh, with their, the owners and founders yesterday, and they pride themselves on uh, the natural ingredients, better than Red Bull, better than all of these other brands. So uh, cheers to Tama T for um, sponsoring this episode. Cheers. Yeah. I've, there's some, I had one of those, a different brand, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, it wasn't as strong as the, like, the little pot of Argentinian mate you have but yeah it certainly gave a little buzz I'm I'm drinking a, a cacao at the moment <laughs> and so. and so a lot of people don't know about mate what is your uh what is your thoughts on mate I I know it comes from South America and the Peruvian region is that is that right yeah um well I'm one of those people who don't know much about it but yeah if you were to travel I've bumped into a few Argentinians I'm in travels and actually working with some on the construction site yeah they love mates it's in their culture and yes um can be quite bitter um like a bitter tea but yeah they sip away um it's a communal drink so they, they share um when they're having a pot um yeah it's maybe i'll have to hit them up <laughs> for, well um, maybe i can send drink. you some in that as a thank you gift yeah. for for spending uh your morning with us and um uh, you, you mentioned you're an insomniac, uh, and that's how you you shoot these these photos. Um, what what kind of is preventing you from sleeping, or um, what are your thoughts on sleep? Um, well, yeah, the reason I'm not sleeping at the moment is pretty much this week, full moon that affects me a lot, um, and crazy monkey mind. I just get on a roll, just start thinking like. Of possibilities and things I need to do <laughs> and it just it doesn't stop but um yeah it's a runaway train with thoughts and is, I, is there an hour that comes to you that 
that you just can't get away from an hour sorry like like is there um, an hour in the night where it's like boom it's three o'clock yeah i did actually wake up um a few hours before my alarm to come to this call um i was like oh i should just send you a message oh can we do it now because i was racing but then i managed to switch myself off and get some more sleep <laughs> yeah um well but I, it, I do get worn out through this cycle of um yeah my insomniac mind but um i just have to let it go sometimes and write, write my thoughts down and um that helps the creative process evolve as well um yeah so right this this month or this week is yes it's the beehive except obsession but i need really need to turn it back to building my new water housings because that's been yeah the the shelves of the water housings have just been sitting on my bench for i don't know two months (laughs) yeah well the series is called insomniac is that is that do i have that right the series of prints on my website i've got a few galleries um yeah insomnia um so i'm struggling to remember um oh nocturnal insomnia and there was another one i i've got some new images which i'm gonna have to come up with another gallery name um yeah i've got a whole bunch of new images which i'm happy with so i'll have to release them on the website yeah um yeah basically it that's that's my piss poor (laughs) um social media um advertising yeah well bro when your images speak as loud as they do you don't really need to say much but thank you for speaking with us on speaking from water episode 21 matthew tinsley much much respect much love sir uh high regards to you and your family from here in uh southeastern north carolina and uh if you ever come I know we would love to have your um your version of of shooting uh shot in our waves so thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on Sean. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. We'll be in t- we'll be in touch on the release and um uh maybe you can get some sleep tonight before you go see your friend later. Yeah. I'm actually going to start getting my surf gear ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, drink yeah, drink more that. of that drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, take care. Yeah, man. Be safe.